some some guy a few weeks ago said DeAndre Swift was bad, and he immediately got yelled at by 20 people, which is exactly the correct correct response. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here with my co-host, Walker Kelly, and Walida Smale. The chaos combination is back. Uh, Mike is coming back from Mendocino. Evan is passed out somewhere, I assume, from working on Twitch stuff for about 175 hours this week. So He's, he's been crushing it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, uh, think, I think Evan has worked, like, 21-hour days all week. Yeah, he is. I, and I messaged him, and I was like, I was like, Bud, uh, you got to scale back because the season's starting now. <laughs> we can't yeah. have you burn out the week before the season. Yeah. Yeah, and he he, this is how I knew he was switched uh, switched around, which is he was like, Hey, are you guys gonna stream the podcast? And I was like, No, nah, I had real problems with it yesterday, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to put out two dog, you know what, podcasts in a row. And he thought I was accusing his streams of being dog, you know what. Yeah, and uh-huh. I was like, I was like, okay, bud, your brain is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's pudding right now. You need to go take a rest. So, um, so yes, Walker, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, I've, I have uh, emerged from my break for mental health, I suppose. Yes. And and it's all better. Everything's 100% good, and we're oh, good. ready to go. Yeah, I don't even have depression anymore. So there you go. <laughs> Did you think really hard about not having depression and then you were done? Yeah, just manifested, hey, don't be sad anymore, you <laughs> yeah. dip sh- Just pray it away. Go this for the free a one? No, it's not, but I'll edit Yay. it. Yay. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, it is the free one. Oh, no. <laughs> All uh, right, so, uh, Waleed, how are you doing today? Please don't Well, press. I can't, I can't <laughs> tell you because it's a free one. We do have Actually, draft- I got out of work at a decent time. I got all my work done. I'm in a good mood. I'm all happy. Right. Perfect. Sounds good. So I'm happy, too, because I got a whole pile of new absurdists to thank. I believe most of these people have joined to get the good deal on the draft kit, which if you are a patron, um, it's uh, three bucks a month. You get the draft kit. I put out the final edition today. I updated every single depth chart with the cuts. I updated a handful more players today, but I did most of the updates in week two. Um, But I just want to give some shout outs to the people that are currently patrons. Uh, We hope you folks stick around. Um, We got a lot of good stuff coming for you this season. So I've got a mile long list. So I'm just going to get right into it. Marcus P, Trey E, JD, Kiko D, Sean S, Colin W, Teen Narwolf, Tiz, (laughs) Hector C, Alex G, EH, Cloverhook, Jerry A, Daryl, David L, Aaron S, Jeremy, Nick M, Morris S, Stanley Z, George T, Jack S, Joshua T, Daniel G, Tommy M, and there's one name I intentionally left off because he's my buddy and I'm not encouraging that behavior. I'm just kidding, Sam, or Pete, not Sam. <laughs> Pete, welcome in. Um, if you want to be like one of these folks, it's three bucks a month during the regular season. You will get two podcast episodes in your patreon feed if you want just the free you will only get the friday episodes in the main feed you also get access to the 300 or 237 page draft kit which the final edition went live today if you don't want to join the patreon you want the draft kit it's seven bucks paypal it to footballabsurdity at gmail.com and some point in the next couple hours after i see it i will mail you a draft kit um beer sheets 
uh, are updating hourly. Please get your sheet sooner rather than later. This is the big weekend for the draft. Chances are the website's going to slow to a crawl. So if you're hearing this, go get your sheet right now. They're updated hourly, but you do not need up-to-the-hour updates. Just whatever sheet you get now will be good for your drafts this weekend. Um, if you want to uh, talk to us on the Discord, it's tiny.cc slash fbabsurdity. If you want to watch our pretty faces, twitch.tv slash footballabsurdity. We've got a whole schedule set up for this year. Um, just off the top of my head, what we have locked in is Monday. I'm doing Monday afternoon signal caller, which is going to be um, the uh, copyright uh different enough from a copyright to not get sued but i'm just going to be reviewing the previous week's games so that we know what happened in those games so you have an idea what to do going forward tuesday will lead we'll be talking um waiver wire and some question and answer um on wednesday walker and i will be doing walker's weekly ranks as well as some twitter or discord and twitter questions thursday will lead is bringing back something i used to do which is called thursday night farce ball but he's doing it as a live thing Thursday night football is always the weirdest game of the week, or a lot of the times it is, and we'll lead, we'll basically be calling the game laughing about it, and we'll have people in and out to talk on that. Friday, the podcast will also be on the Twitch. Sunday, Evan and I will be doing start sits. Sometimes it won't be me. Sometimes it'll be, I think, we'll lead. You'll do it sometimes. Walker, maybe, sometimes. Yeah. I have cleared up my stand-up schedule. Like, I've told people I have two shows I had already booked, and I'm just going to do them because I committed but I'm not doing stand-up until football season's done. Perfect. All I'm doing is twitching. And if you want my stand-up... <laughs> That's hey, all I'm doing, too. People, that... If people are into Twitch and you want my stand-up, we'll come up with ways to, like... Maybe I'll show you one of my first clips, which I will hate, but you guys will probably like. Because that'll be, that'll I be a, more than yeah. me. That'll be a good thing to do for subscribers. So, um, and that's all on top of uh, thefootballabsurdity.com. We have, I'm looking at my schedule right now. It looks like we have about 20 to 22 weekly articles uh, going up every week. You got Start Sits. You got uh, Walker's going to have his weekly. Ranks are going to go up there as well. Uh, You got Sleepers for the week. You got Absurdity Checks, which are just our way of like checking in on like, um, you know, trends that are going on. See if they're real. See if they're BS. Uh, sorry for your loss, which is uh, when one of our writers declares a team season over at that point. And uh, I think hot takes from crazy people will be in as as needed. We're going to have two betting articles this year, one with Will Rivera, one with Brandon Andreessen. So I'm excited about those. I do believe that that's everybody. I'm looking over at my whiteboard with all the stuff on it. Oh, Will Leeds Waiver Wire on Tuesdays, as well as my Who to Drop article, which I think is also as important as the Waiver Wire article. Telling you who to get rid of from your roster. So I can't wait to read that on my Twitch stream. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can read it on your Twitch stream. That's, that's pretty much what I plan on doing. And I, I'm excited, too, because the waiver wire is going to be with Mike Valverde and uh, my friend Joshua Chuboff, who man, helps manage a team with his dad. Joshua what? Chuboff. His is last name what? is Chuboff. That is his last name. That man must have had an awful childhood. I mean... He's got cerebral palsy, so... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I just right. said to make you uncomfortable. He's also one of the funniest people I've ever met. He's a stand-up comic, too. He manages a fantasy football team with his dad. Uh, like, we were talking about it. He had to tell his dad he couldn't draft Justin Fields in the first round. That is what we're going to be doing with the waiver Wire article, is also managing Josh's team. Okay. Well, that, that'll be fun. So that'll be all over on the Twitch, and then you've got stuff on the website, and then you've got, of course, the podcast here, which you can get on Patreon or wherever you get podcasts. We're, we're building an empire. 
Next step, yeah. being barstool, but cool and not full of jerks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what barstool, but less broy. But less broy. Barstool, but uh, um, people feel comfortable being around them. All right. We're gonna we're gonna call it deck chair. Deck chair. <laughs> All right. So today's episode didn't even talk about what today's episode is. It is pick your poison. The episode Walker has put together. Uh, uh, pairs of players, similar ADP, and he's going to assign on the fly, me and Walid, which side we have to argue for. So this should be either really fun and interesting or an absolute disaster. And we'll figure out which one it is as we get into it. Um, but before we get into that, Mike, who's not here, he's fine. He's driving back from a week in uh, Mendocino. Uh, he wanted to know, uh, he has two picks. I don't know how he pulled this off in a uh, uh just a standard redraft league. He's got pick 105, pick 201. So he's picking five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's picking seven picks apart because it's a 10-team league. One quarterback, full PPR, six point per passing touchdowns. He wants to know who he should draft. And we kind of already talked about it. I think yeah. the Kelsey Mahomes stack, if he can do it, is the best call there. I think it's an interesting way to go about it, too, because you have to take Kel- you take Kelsey fifth. You did Mahomes at the turn, and you hope someone doesn't take Mahomes right away. Yeah. I mean, there's also the uh, – uh, what other stacks could he do there? He um, could do the Tyreek Mahomes stack, but that would be kind of reaching Enrique. Yeah. Stefan and Josh Just Allen. Stefan and Josh Allen. The only thing that's is – too early for Josh Allen, I think. It's also probably well, too early for Stefan. It's yeah. also too early for Pat Mahomes, if we're being clear, even if yeah, that's true. for passing touchdown. Yeah, a little bit too early, but, I mean, with – it, I mean, that could be literally just like you immediately just won your league in the first two rounds of the draft. It's possible, yeah. I like the idea of just uh, getting the best players, so whoever that might be. I said Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler, or there's Aaron Jones and Diggs, or Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, whoever your yep. wide receiver one might be. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. I like, I if I had to be, if I'm honest with myself, I don't actually like Kelsey in the first round this year. I think he's due to regress, and... Aaron Jones has been a top five running back in fantasy the last two years, and the Packers are loaded. Why wouldn't you go with that? Well, I mean, that that's a very good point. But here's the thing. This is what I like drafting at the turn this year. There are probably about 15 guys, 15, 16 guys who has a, have a reasonable case for being a first-round pick. Yeah. So if you're picking at 201, you're just going to I would just say, wait and see who falls to you and just take the best player. I don't think you have to overthink this. I think the 105 is where he actually has to think and decide. And I don't have a problem with Kelsey. He's going to be the guy until he's not. And he's been the guy for, what, half a decade now. And it's not even close. I just I don't value tight end that much, at least not that high in my first round. I'd rather have a top tier running back. And at 105, I know I can get one. Okay, I mean that's fair yeah, enough. Because like in my in my home league, I took Kelsey in the first round, but that was because the top four running backs and Chubb and Swift and Taylor were all kept. So, okay. And then Jones was taken before me, so it was basically down to either I can take Kelsey or I can take Saquon, and I was like, I think Kelsey's the safer pick here. Yeah, I would call that the safer pick, especially because. But I probably would take Saquon personally because well, I do like a, him. There's a lot of people, myself included, who are a little worried about the fact that he's still not ready to go. 
And, you know, with your first round pick, you, you, you know, you can't really miss that hard on it if you're taking it in the first half of the first round. So, I mean, I saw I've seen people reasonably putting Saquon into the second round. Like I said, there's like 15 or 16 guys who are first round picks. So I, you know, I why, why take that. the injured guy? But I'm also uh, I'm a gambler by nature. So I like I like taking the high upside bet because I think if Saquon does come out healthy in the second half, he can win you a league. Yeah, but you also got to know when to fold them. That's a key part of being a, a gambler, Waleed. <laughs> Folds. That's what quitters do. Quitters fold? Yeah. All right. All right. So, I th- hope, Mike, I hope that answers your question. Um, I would say just take whatever comes to you. So, let's move on to Pick Your Poison, the episode. This episode, I don't know if you guys can tell, is going to be a little bit shorter than what we usually do. Um, we're kind of in a holding pattern until the season starts. We'll be back uh, next week on Tuesday in the Patreon feed to do um, all the goodness there. All the uh, I think we're going to plant our flags. We're going to uh, do predictions, all that fun stuff. So, uh, Walker, I'm going to turn this over to you. You're the boss now. You're the boss, Applesauce. Cool. All right. So our first debate is between quarterback five, Aaron Rodgers, and quarterback six, Dak Prescott. Um, Quick disclaimer, all of these are going to be players who are right next to each other in ADP. So there's one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, and a tight end, like a standard fantasy lineup. And they're all right next to each other in ADP. So I will be assigning Waleed, Aaron Rodgers, and Jeff, Dak Prescott for this one. I mean, I'm glad because that's who I wanted assigned to me. Aaron Rodgers? Are you kidding me? I take Aaron Rodgers. He's he's coming off an MVP season. And let's be honest, he is as angry as he's ever been. And there is nothing. I'm a Bears fan. I've watched Aaron Rodgers his entire career. And the angrier he is, the better he is. I just I, I think he's going to destroy the league. I think. Uh, I'm trying to think of how did he finish the year last year? Wasn't he? Uh, I mean, I know he was an MVP, but in fantasy, he was also a top three quarterback. I think that's easily in the range of outcomes again this year. All right. What my esteemed compatriot from the Chicago land area has forgotten to account for is the fact that Aaron Rodgers has not had a season in his career where he has not played angry. That has been literally every season of Aaron Rodgers' career. We get the offseason narrative. Aaron Rodgers is mad this year, and Aaron Rodgers is going to do this, and he's going to do that. But here's why I'm taking Dak Prescott over Aaron Rodgers. Simple, pure math. Okay, Aaron Rodgers has a top two all-time touchdown rate at 6.3%. It's him and Patrick Mahomes keep flip-flopping who has the all-time record. Last year, his touchdown rate was 9.1%. He was able to throw 48 touchdowns. If you just adjust that down to his career rate, which is 6.3, which is, again, an all-time rate. It's either one or two all-time, depending on when you check during the season. He's looking at about 35, 36 touchdowns, which, by the way, would be 10 more touchdowns than he had in each of the two years prior. And he played all 16 games in those two years. So... Pure straight mathematics tells me that Aaron Rodgers is due for a massive collapse. He also had a career high in uh, completion percentage last year. And so without the running, which Aaron Rodgers does not do anymore, okay? Aaron Rodgers does not run anymore. 
He has not had he had 149 rushing yards last year, which is fine when you figure. But when you figure it's nine yards per game, it's not that great. When you also figure his yards per carry peaked at 23.1 in 2016 and has decreased every single year since then. It's also a point against Aaron Rodgers. Now let's talk about Dak Prescott. Last time we saw Dak Prescott, his knee or his foot and his body were going in two separate directions. Next time we saw him, uh, he's had all these issues on hard knocks, a very public set of injuries, but he's good now. He said well before the season, the ankle is not a problem. That's one thing we didn't see on hard knocks, him worrying about the ankle. They talked about it in the first episode and he was not worried about it. So he had a little impingement in his back. That's all better now. The last time we saw him last year, he was passing for 422 yards per game. That's going to come down. But how far is it going to come down? 300 yards per game is a shoe-in for him. You also consider that the rushing floor. You also consider he's got three really, really good wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers had to beg and plead his team to to get Randall Cobb, who's just an older version of Amari Rodgers, who's already on the team. They're hyping up MVS again. Do you want to rely on MVS? Do you want your starting quarterback to have a second wide receiver be Marquez Valdez Dropling? Or do you want his second wide receiver to be Amari Cooper? Okay. And I, I, said I think Amari what you're Cooper. failing to forget is that it is the quarterback who makes the wide receiver. He still has Devontae Adams, who's one of the best receivers in football. And I, the problem... I have with Dak Prescott, which I don't really have a problem just for the sake of this argument. Like they're both fine, but Aaron Rodgers is clearly better because Aaron Rodgers no longer has Mike McCarthy holding him down. Okay. Like so that, that you, makes me wait, nervous. Waleed, you is, said something great there. You said the quarterback makes the wide receiver, right? Yes. How did that work for Jeff Janis and Jared Aberderis and Alan Lazard I mean, and he, Reggie Bagleton so and Equinemania St. Brown? And am I missing anybody? I feel like I'm missing one one of these guys. I, I'm sure you are. Um, who was his best friend who was cut after he liked him? Did you mention him? Uh, oh, Jake Kumaro. That's who Jake I missed. Kumaro. Jake Kumaro. Jake Kumaro. So, I mean... Aaron Rodgers, yes, he makes the wide receiver, but he has his eyes are for Devontae Adams. And, you know, Devontae Adams and pick whoever you think is the second best wide receiver on that team don't combine to be the one and two that Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are. And if you go one, two, three, Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, I mean, you're talking what? Devontae Adams, MVS, Amari Rodgers, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard? Like just look at those weapons there, and and well, yes, I think and, I think from an efficiency standpoint though, like I think the thing that, like I know this is an art, this will sound like an argument for Dak, but I think that their defense is so bad that we're going to see turnovers become an issue for Dak because teams are going to know they're playing from behind because they have to throw the ball to stay in games because that defense in Dallas is garbage, uh, whereas the Packers are a much more balanced team. I, that sounds like a point for Dak. You're right. Yeah, it does. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I do uh, like Aaron Rodgers to finish top five this year in uh, fantasy. I, I I understand that theoretically he should be due for regression, but also he's Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know that that's going to be an issue. But Okay. One last thing. Aaron Rodgers points per game last year. He was the quarterback six. In points per game last year with 48 touchdowns. I'm sorry, quarterback five. This list is because the thing this, I'm looking at says he was the quarterback three. 
This includes, well, are you looking at fantasy points or fantasy points per game? But fantasy Fantasy points points per per game, game, 27.5. I have... That's probably a six-point touchdown. Yeah, I have 24.2. But it is fifth, not sixth, because this does include Marcus Mariota balling all the way out for 26.8 fantasy points. So um, all all that goodness that happened last year, and Dak Prescott was the quarterback two per game, and Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback five. Oh, you know what? Um, yeah, I didn't have it sorted right. So <laughs> this guy, uh, moderator, can we uh, can we have all of his arguments stricken from the record? Thank you. All right, no. I'm done. I rest my case. All right, Wally, do you rest your case? Yeah, I'll rest my case. All right. Uh, as you might be able to tell from the relative confidence in both participants' voices, I believe it's pretty clear that. Jeff has won this one with Dak Prescott. Okay. I'll get I'll give him this one. All right. Subsequent ones. Whichever guy Walker gives me, it better be the true answer. The next the next one will be two running backs going at the back end of RB one territory. Najee Harris and Antonio Gibson. Jeff, you're up first with Najee. Yes. All right. Najee Harris. So Najee Harris over Antonio Gibson. This is actually how I have it ranked. I've lucked out twice in a row. I've gotten the way that I like it, the way that I want it to be. So we've got Antonio Gibson, who was pretty good last year. He did have a toe injury, which kind of inhibited him a little bit. But on a fantasy points per game basis, he was behind DeAndre Swift in full PPR. He was barely ahead of DeAndre Swift in half PPR. Um So just starting there, I would put DeAndre Swift ahead of Antonio Gibson. Maybe, maybe not. But we're talking Najee Harris here. Just to give you an idea of what we're working with, though, on Antonio Gibson. That's why I brought that up. So Najee Harris. Najee Harris, I'm going to tell you guys a little story. So my home league has, it's a a keeper auction league or salary cap draft league, but we do have a two-round Debbie draft, okay? Every year we have a two-round Debbie draft. I ended up with Najee Harris. My buddy ended up with Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne was my running back one, and we were going to trade. And I said, I want to wait till after the draft, because if Najee Harris goes to the Steelers, he is going to be a top eight running back. So this is something I believed before the draft. Believe Najee Harris to, I think he's nine in my ranks, actually. The Steelers, if they do one thing well, it is making sure a running back, a particular running back, touches the ball so many times that he throws up, that he can't handle it. It's Yes, they did it with Lev Bell, but they also did it with guys like D'Angelo Williams and James Conner, who I like, but I concede is not a bell cow type back. He doesn't have that in them, but they still tried it. They did it with all basically every running back that's been there since uh, Mike Tomlin became the head coach. Fifth most touch, fifth most games, with a running back getting 20-plus touches in the NFL since Mike Tomlin has joined the Steelers. The guys, the teams ahead of them are like the Rams, who had Todd Gurley and Steven Jackson. So that's the kind of territory they're in, is guys giving bell cows tons of touches, and that's going to go to Najee Harris. And Najee Harris can handle it. You saw it in the preseason. People are worried about the offensive line, but what did they do? They got Najee Harris fl- flaring out and on a wheel route. They got Najee Harris um, running a Texas route. They got Najee Harris bouncing it outside where he can get extra blockers. This offensive 
system that the that the Steelers are running is smart and is working to hide the offensive line problems. I also think the offensive line problems are overblown. But the Steelers are smart enough to work around it. And we saw that in preseason. We saw him break these long, long runs, these long catch and runs. And as for Antonio Gibson, he's fine. But you you need to tell me how this target distribution is going. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas. However that distributes out is going to be the difference between uh, Najee Harris over Antonio Gibson or Antonio Gibson over Najee Harris. Two of those guys had 110 targets last year. One of them was not Antonio Gibson. There is a plan there. I believe the plan is to have J.D. McKissick as the third down back, which limits the upside of Antonio Gibson. Najee Harris is the only guy there. His backups are Benny Snell, an injured Tony McFarlane, and Kalen Balazs. So good luck rotating those guys in because they all stink. We'll lead. I cede my time to you. To the to the to the counselor from the Chicago land area. So um, here's my thing with this. Uh, last year, as a rookie, uh, overall fantasy points. I can see you. Your camera's on, Jeff. I don't need I this. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Antonio Gibson finished year uh, overall as the RB13 on fantasy points. He was a rookie, and I think the fallacy in what Jeff's argument is is the idea that his targets and receptions are going to be stolen by J.D. McKissick. Yeah, J.D. McKissick was taking points because I think Antonio Gibson did have to work on blocking. As a second-year player, I expect, uh, like, for comparison here, I want to look at Christian McCaffrey in his first uh, year. What did he end up overall? He was the RB... Where was this? I just had to stand over here. Hold on. Wow. I hope you know uh, how... I have- Set Walker, could you can I can I request you to deduct points for this for not having his argument ready to go? It's not, I, it's not I, I found out I only had a chance to start doing research now. I'm doing it on the fly because I am a last minute sub in, all right? Suck it. Alright. That is my that is my argument. Suck it. Um what is this? This is the wrong damn year. Okay. So Christian McCaffrey was not the fantasy star he was his rookie year either. I think what you're looking at is your argument for your argument for Najee Harris is basically that the Steelers are going to use him. It's not about how good Najee Harris is. Whereas Antonio Gibson's actually an incredibly athletic, talented. His upside is his ceiling Najee is Harris. Najee Naj- Harris. His upside is Najee Harris. Thank you. No, his upside is Christian McCaffrey. He's got the same skill set. He's being used by Ron Rivera. He's a, he's got the Ron Rivera coach. He's got the uh, ability to catch the ball, to run the ball. He's he's a much more dynamic player than Najee Harris. You're you're assuming he's not going to improve from year one to year two. He was already the RB thirteen in year one. We're looking for that leap, and the biggest leap for most fantasy players is year one to year two. Full offseason, he's got a chance to learn on blocking. He's got a full program of getting juiced up with the proper nutrition, i.e. steroids. I don't know whatever they're using. Najee, like Najee Harris is a guy I actually do really like, but I like him because he has a high floor. I'm going for Antonio Gibson because he has the higher ceiling. He's a guy who, if he hits his potential, can finish the year top three RB. He can win you leagues. Najee Harris is just not going to lose you leagues. Yes, I am sure about that, Jeff. 
<laughs> and I saw it right away when you put it up there. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just me. I right. I also no, saw I, it, Jeff. I think I think that there's but I think there's definitely gonna be a much there's going to be a greater distribution. Like I think a lot of it too is just like uh Christian McCaffrey's rookie year where he was a little undersized, he needed to get though he needed to put on a little bit of weight, get a little bit bigger, stronger, so he could have more snaps because I'm trying to look at his uh, actual snap count. Uh, Najee Harris, or not Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson's. Yeah, he didn't have as many touches. He had 170 rushes, 44 targets. I think that number. I think he's in line to see a significant increase there, and that's only going to help his production. Well, I think you're wrong. So checkmate. All right, Walker. I rest my case. All right. Well, now here's the thing, and here's how you'll know that. I'm judging this just based on the arguments and not based on my personal biases. Because you guys can go look at my rankings and see that I have Najee Harris ranked slightly ahead of Antonio Gibson. However, I believe Waleed's argument was stronger. And therefore, Waleed wins with Antonio Gibson. I quit. We're tied at one. Um, I I really feel like the thing, the argument I made that said suck it. It's also what I will say as I win. Suck it, Jeff. Okay. Sure, buddy. <laughs> sure, buddy. All right. Okay. So, on this one, we're going to go with, uh, we've got Daryl Henderson, RB25, and Javante Williams, RB26. I'm going to start off with, we'll lead with Daryl Henderson. Yes. Thank God. Because I feel so strongly about Daryl Henderson. I love him this year, and I love him for opportunity. First off, who, who's he? He's got a uh, busted knee, Sony Michelle. That's who's fighting him for targets. Jake Funk? No. He's got no competition with Matthew Stafford over there, like the upgraded quarterback. I feel like Daryl Henderson, in his range of outcomes, is he's not Todd Gurley good, but he could have that Todd Gurley performance where he's the only guy getting fed the ball because there's no one else who's as good as him. Uh, barring any health issues, Daryl Henderson has the clearest window on potentially the best offense in football. I will take that every time. Like, Javante Williams, what has he got? He's going to run on a Denver offense? Oh, Drew Locke, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Sure. Melvin Jerry, Gordon. Oh wait, well, hold on. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Albert O. Yeah, that's cool. Like if they could get a quarterback who can get him the ball. I mean, yeah, those five yard dump offs that Teddy Bridgewater is going to throw isn't going to like maximize their potential. And Drew Locke, if he comes in, yeah, maybe this is the year Drew Locke is good. That year never happens. It's never going to happen, which means that teams are going to be stuff playing against a run. He still also got to compete against Melvin Gordon, who I'm not convinced is done. Like Javante Williams, solid football player. I love him. And I think in the second half, he will be good, but he's going to be splitting carries with Melvin Gordon. Daryl Henderson has the clearest opportunity to RB1 status because he has no competition. He is on a top five offense with a legitimate quarterback receiving options and a number and a top tier defense. When that te- team's ahead, they're just going to feed him the ball and grind it out and he's just going to get so much garbage time stats because they're going to be so far ahead. I will turn it over to the Senator from San Francisco. Uh, Close enough. (laughs) All right. I would like to start out 
with uh, your last point there. When the Rams are up, they're going to give Daryl Henderson the ball to salt the game away. I would also like to point out that you yourself pointed out that they traded for Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle will be out there salting the game away. Why are they going to do that? Why are they going to do that? Because Daryl Henderson is the only good running back on that roster. Notice I didn't say the only good player on that roster. You are assuming that for some reason, the Rams, who in this last draft took a second round wide receiver, who in the draft before that took a second round wide receiver, whose only real free agent addition outside of desperation was a free agent wide receiver, who traded for Matthew Stafford, one of the best pure passers in this league. You assume that when they get on the goal line, they're going to run the ball. I do not assume that. Last year, he had half a goal line carry per game. That's it. He also did not create any yards per touch. He was 47th in yards created per touch last year, was Daryl Henderson. You said Sony Michelle is not good. How do you feel about Malcolm Brown? Yeah, that's true. That I, I would have no, no, conceded no. that Malcolm Brown about... also not good. I'm going to give also, you that. With this same coaching staff, took touches from Daryl Henderson and gave them to Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown is a worse football player than Sony Michelle. Okay. okay. They will what? do because they are insane. Okay. No, so, you're right. I, you, they're going to give touches because in today's NFL, they will give touches, but the primary carrier, like in situations that matter, it's going to be Daryl Henderson. And you, you're, you're saying that because of all this uh, invest, all the, the investment in wide receivers that they're going to be throwing more at the goal line, but that's not the offense Sean McVay runs. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, really good quarterback. They still run the ball with Aaron Jones. Same offense. That is a that is a run first offense. That a good quarterback helps you win, but they're playing a balanced attack. Daryl Henderson's going to get those looks. Okay, uh, real quick, just as an aside, this is not the point that we are arguing. Uh, the number two wide receiver in 10 zone targets last year was Mike Evans with 14. Devontae Adams had 20. They passed on the goal line. Okay. Um, there, Don't forget, there's also uh, Bob Tanyan there. I'm just going to destroy your Aaron Rodgers argument real okay. quick. <laughs> no, you can you can say yeah, that. that. Let's see. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious about. That's not about... the argument. You already we'll won lead... that one. Waleed is gish galloping me. He is trying to set me off onto a separate path. He's trying to make me stray from the Lord's light. Um, uh, let's talk about Javante Williams. Javante Williams. Well, that's good it, considering that's the player that you're arguing for. Correct. You haven't made any points about him yet. so I'm destroying Daryl Henderson first, and then I build up Javante Williams. That's my rhetorical strategy here. Mm. Javante Williams. In college, he was part of a two-back system. So, yes, maybe he, he will in more than... More than likely, he will split time with Melvin Gordon. Guess what? Melvin Gordon's already banged up. And so then he's split in time with Mike Boone, who's already banged up as well. Um, so he has a chance to grab a hold of this uh, job and run with it, no pun intended. He has above average vision. He's pretty good at shaking tacklers. He's great to the angle. Um, you know, he always beat linebackers to the edge in college. He reminds me a decent amount of Kareem Hunt, okay? I'm not saying Kareem Hunt is in the range of outcomes, but when I watch him, I see Kareem Hunt there. We are three years removed from Kareem Hunt being a top five overall pick in the draft. There's also the overall um, 
roster of players around him. Who's his quarterback? Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater force-fed Mike Davis last year. Teddy Bridgewater force-fed Alvin Kamara when he got starts in New Orleans. Teddy Bridgewater force-fed the running backs in Minnesota. Teddy Bridgewater loves to dump off to running backs. And that's going to be Javante Williams more often than not because I think that he is the more talented player than um, Melvin Gordon. Now this gets into the usage question, which is this is a points-driven game, okay? If something happens on the field and we don't get points for it, we don't care. Most of our leagues were in a half point or full point PPR. The Rams threw the ball to their running backs the 30th and 32nd most times in the NFL last year. Saying that a different way uh, over the last two years, sorry. Saying that a different way, third to last and last. They don't throw the ball to the running back. The Broncos do. Forgetting who's better, who's this, who's that. Daryl Henderson needs a 10 point, a 10 yard run to match a one yard catch in full PPR. He needs an 11 yard run. And the usage right there just dictates that, hey, one of these guys is going to get up the field in a more efficient per points per touch way than the other one. And I'm going to want that guy. And what this is assuming everything is equal, because I think both teams are probably going to look fairly similar along the goal line because they have. They both teams have lots of weapons, lots of varied weapons. So I don't think you can really say one way or the other who is going to get a lot of touchdowns. I think they're both going to end up around eight ish touchdowns, but they're going to come in different ways. So I'm, but I'm going to look at how they get up and down the field. Javante Williams does have that PPR upside that Daryl Henderson does not have. So if you take out the touchdowns, which I believe are going to be relatively similar, you're looking at. Two guys that are probably going to get the similar yardage as well, but one guy's going to get a lot more catches, and that's Javante. So I'm going to go with Javante Williams. So I want to point out something because I noticed you were talking about those like carries into uh, it within the ten. Um, last year, tied for twelfth in attempts and within the ten yard line was Daryl Henderson. Also tied for twelfth, uh, Cam Akers. Now, if we go down a little bit further down the list. Melvin Gordon is only, uh, let's see, 16th, 17th, and he's not splitting carries with the running back. I think the better offense is going to give him more of those opportunities within the 10. I actually think that that's clear evidence. You have 42 rushing attempts within the 10-yard line for just Rams running backs. I mean, it's clear Daryl Henderson's the guy. I I don't have... Please hold. Hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm they, they do not throw. Denver does not throw to the uh, running backs on the goal well, line. Not so just Den- Denver just doesn't even get it to the goal line. That's part of the problem. And I don't know where I feel like that's going to happen. I don't agree with the idea that touchdowns will be similar between the two. It's going to be clearly in Daryl Henderson's favor because by virtue of being on the better offense. Well, I also think you have to look at if one of those the Sony. I think you're downplaying the Sony Michelle factor here, which is fine. Let's say it's He's let's say Sony Michelle takes Cam Akers' spot. It's still no, a say, top twelve. I was gonna say, let's say he takes Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown spot, or just Malcolm Brown spot. That's gonna Malcolm take touch. Brown's not even on this list. Honestly, I gotta well, scroll Brown down real to, far. Malcolm Brown. That's because Malcolm Brown eventually got replaced, but he had a at the beginning of the year he was getting a lot of goal line touches, 
Anyways, Daryl Henderson had half a goal line carry per game. So within the 10, different than the goal line. But I will concede to whatever the uh, judge would like to say here. Uh, I would say that one, that one was pretty close. Um, but I, I believe that in er, earlier in the draft, you're probably looking more at getting a guy who you know is going to perform really well. And when you get down here on your late RB2, early flex guys, you're looking for big upside. I think Waleed demonstrated that Henderson has higher upside, and therefore I'm going to give him the point here. Yes. I'm just dealing with two people that love being wrong all the time. That's fine. <laughs> you guys, I, can I do agree with you that uh, Kareem Hunt vibes on Javante Williams, and I do love Javante Williams as a prospect. I just think that backfield's a little bit clouded, and it's a. Uh, I don't think either's a bad pick, but I well, think Derek Henderson's the clear guy there. Uh, cards on the table. I would take Daryl Henderson a hundred times out of a hundred over Javante Williams. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I would too. But also, I'm trying to get as many shares of Javante Williams because I think in the second half he does have some upside. Like I, I like him. Like because because the Cream Hunt look. Like I could see him really blowing up and making it where he's undeniable. He has that kind of talent. I think Javante Williams is the more talented back. I think Daryl Henderson's in the better situation to succeed. Okay. That's fair enough. So, um, all right. All right. We'll move on to our fourth debate. Uh, this will be between Terry McLaurin going wide receiver 10 and Allen Robinson going wide receiver 11. Jeff, you'll be starting off with McLaurin. All right, so Scary Terry McLaurin. So we have a guy here who is an ascendant talent. It's his third year in the league. Traditionally, that's when you see guys really break out. Um, he also has a quarterback ahead of him, or throwing him the football, who loves to pepper one player with a ton of targets. He gave Devontae Parker, who is not good at football, his best year. I believe Devontae Parker was a top 15 guy that year. Terry McLaurin already has top 15 seasons under his belt. He is an incredibly talented wide receiver. And I'm not saying Allen Robinson isn't, but what I'm saying is, is he has a downfield skill set that matches his quarterback extremely well. And his best competition to those targets is Diami Brown, who doesn't do anything better than what Terry McLaurin does. This offense is going to be built around dumping it off short to Curtis Samuel, uh, the other guys that I talked about, I'm not going to list all four guys, and then bombing it out to Terry McLaurin eight or nine times per game. He averages 14 yards per reception and nine yards per target so far in his career. Both those numbers are higher than Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson has not had a yards per reception over 14 since his 2015 season, his big breakout season, 1,404. He also finished last year with 1,250 and, and, and uh, six on tw uh, 15 more targets than Terry McLaurin. And Terry McLaurin was the, within spitting distance of both of those. He played 15 games. If he had gotten to 16 games, their, their numbers would be extremely similar last year. Um, McLaurin averaged uh, 75 yards per game, Robinson 78. But one of these players is ascendant. Also, one of these players is not going to have his quarterback switch halfway through the year because his coach has a weird uh, decision, a weird um, affinity for starting Andy Dalton for no good reason. So that might be a situation where um, Allen Robinson, there might be some 
growing pains there because what does Justin Fields do extremely well? He runs the football extremely well. When Justin Fields is running with the football, you know what he's not doing? Passing to Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson gets 150 targets rolling out of bed. Past tense. This year, it probably is going to drop down a little bit to 140, which will put him in the same range as what Terry McLaurin had last year, 134. I see Terry McLaurin's targets going up, or I see uh, Allen Robinson's going down slightly. So from an efficiency standpoint, they're very similar players. And um, Terry McLaurin's going to have a more targeted specific role in the offense that is not going to be taken away by his quarterback rushing and everything underneath is going to go to other players a quarterback a player cannot get the football 400 times you can't get it 300 times but what you can do is maximize the uh, yards you get with your targets last year uh, terry mclaurin had a higher yards per reception than um alan robinson his career is 14 Again, that's higher than Allen Robinson's career by a whole yard. So what I see here is I see two very, very good players. I don't want to to think that Allen Robinson is not a good player. I don't want to think that Allen Robinson is not going to be one of the most targeted players in the NFL. But what I do think is that Terry McLaurin is ascended, whereas Allen Robinson is going to be in his eighth year in the league. Um, so it is sort of like one of these players has maximized what he is and the other player has is on the way up and both players were essentially the same last year. So I'll take the player that was on his way up rather than the player who has stagnated that were essentially the same last year. And that's Terry McLaurin over Allen Robinson. I'm going to name a few names for you here. Blake Bortles. Mike Glennon, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky. Andy Dalton is already the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever had to deal with. The idea that he's plateaued instead of having gotten the production he has gotten in spite of the trash around him is insane to me. Um, And yeah, if Justin like the idea that Justin Fields coming in is going to make things somehow worse for Allen Robinson is just insane to me because Allen Robinson has been the only weapon on the Bears since he's gotten there from a receiving standpoint. Everything he's done has been in spite of horrendous quarterback play. And despite all these problems, last year he was the wide receiver 12. He was a top 12 wide receiver. You're right. McLaurin is an incredibly talented guy. And I like McLaurin a lot. I like him to make a big leap this year. Uh, the thing is, I also expect Allen Robinson to make a big leap because he doesn't have Mitchell Trubisky throwing him to football. He's not going to. The fact is, once Justin Fields comes in, which is going to be only a few weeks, in my personal opinion, because there's no way he won't be in there because he's already he's already neck and neck, according to beat reporters, with Andy Dalton when it comes to talent. And his just his mobility is going to force defenses to kind of have to like watch for that, which is gonna open things up down the field. And Justin Fields' downfield accuracy is significantly better than that of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh I I mean it's a no-brainer to me that Allen Robinson's the guy here. I, I love him. 
he can only improve on his quarterback play. He has not been the problem. It is everything around him that has let Allen Robinson down. I would like to point out, Your Honor, that uh, my compatriot here uh, appealed to emotion by saying, well, he's got to be better than he was before. Uh, even He was a wide out. receiver one last year with Nick well, he's got to be better. He's throwing at the football. He's got to be better. Or maybe these bad quarterbacks were leading to the Bears throwing more because they were behind all the time. They weren't behind all the time, though. They had a good defense. They, they got, just couldn't they score. They got, they had, oh, they traded up. Never mind. Dang it. I was going to make a point about their uh, their draft spot. Um, no. Here's the thing. Like, Allen Robinson's numbers are kind of fraudulent because he's way better than the numbers show. It's why he's in a contract dispute with the Bears, because he thinks he should be getting Keenan Allen numbers because he is just as good as Keenan Allen. The problem is he doesn't he hasn't had Philip Rivers. He hasn't had Justin Herbert. He's had Mitch Trubisky. No, I mean, oh, God, no. Allen Robinson is so good. And it's 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 really just soul crushing. You ever watch a player just wasting their prime years because everything around him is letting him down? Yeah, I'm yes. appealing to emotion because it upsets me. Yes, I have seen that. Well, yes, I am you've seen it more Lions than anyone. Um, no, I will say that Allen Robinson's nowhere near the talent that Calvin Johnson or Barry Sanders were, but no. he is very good, and he is he has been wasted a lot in his career. So I think this is the year where he's like he's going to get paid at the end of this year by the bears because they're going to be like, because their argument's going to be negated. Like actually it's going to probably end up costing them because of how good he's going to do this year. Okay. I'm all in on Allen Robinson this year. I really am. All right, your honor. Are you going to take the passionate Homer opinion or the dispassionate metrics and numbers based opinion? This is the toughest one so far. I've had a pretty clear winner based on the arguments on the first three. This one, I'm not sure. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to see. I want to find, like, I, I'm not good at finding statistics on the well, fly. I want to know what your Alan case Robinson's has been rested. Right. Your honor, objection. He rested his case. This is fair. Uh, man. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I, you know what? The deciding factor for me is that I'm, I'm torn between the two arguments and I have Alan Robinson ranked a lot higher. So I'm going to say that that means that Jeff's argument was a little bit stronger. I'll give the point to Jeff. I, I can give you that. That's I right. I think part of the problem I'm having right here is uh, I I just want to find is there where can I find his cat like catchable balls for Allen Robinson? I will give because you that information. Uh, I, I will don't concede. Know. I actually argument. don't know that. Yeah, but I feel like that because that's the thing. Like watching it, he catches everything. He catches things he should not catch because his quarterbacks are so it's bad. True. And once Allen uh, and once Justin Fields is in there, I don't think it's gonna be close. But, you know, having said that though, I love Terry McLaurin, and I actually think Terry McLaurin's in a situation where he's got the best quarterback of his career. 
Allen Robinson had the 24th highest cashable target rate out of all wide receivers in the NFL last year, but he had the uh, number 65th target quality rating, which means the balls were cashable. They just weren't very good. Unfortunately, he ranked 78th in true catch rate last year, which is uh, catch rate on good passes that he should have caught. So uh, little, little, little bad there for a Rob, but I I already won the case. So I'm just, I'm just piling on now. That's fair. All right. We're going on to our fifth one, which is between wide receiver 23, Brandon Ayuk and wide receiver 24 T Higgins. I'm going to switch it up a little bit because I gave Walid his his homer guy. Jeff, you're starting again with your homer guy. I'm starting with my homer guy? Yep. You oh. you get you get Ayuk. But I don't want Ayuk. All right. I know. Brandon I was excited Ayuk. for Ayuk, honestly. <laughs> Brandon Ayuk. Okay. So, last year we saw so good players get targets, right? Before and after his stints on the COVID-19 list, there was a five-game stretch where the four, I'm sorry, a six-game stretch where the 49ers leaned on Brandon Ayuk. He averaged 95 yards and a touchdown per game in those games. Okay. Now I know you're going to say, well, George Kittle is going to come back. Brandon Ayuk is going to take Debo Samuel's targets. Brandon Ayuk downfield is a better pass catcher than Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is great around the line of scrimmage. He's a fun little gadget guy. But if you want a guy who will catch the ball and go all the way down the field with it, that's Brandon Ayuk. We saw him literally leapfrog a defender against the Philly game. Um, He was hurt. So those are the games we saw. He got banged up against Arizona, had just two targets, then was inactive for the last game. So the last time he was healthy, he was absolutely kicking the door down for the 49ers. Okay. Now, I do concede that George Kittle is a problem here. Do you know what else is a problem? Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. Say what you want about Tyler Boyd. I do believe Tyler Boyd to be the third most talented player on the Bengals. He will still get about 100 targets. The 49ers, the guys who are going to get 100 or more targets are George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, and that's it. The running backs don't catch balls. Joe Mixon does. There's no third uh, real guy who deserves more than nine targets per game, and that's Debo Samuel, but I don't even think he gets that much. The 49ers offense is going to flow through, or sorry, their passing game is going to flow through uh, George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. We've also seen this offseason Joe Burrow repeatedly talk about how he cannot get out of his own head. He cannot get out of his own head because of his knee injury, and I think that that's going to cause a lot of problems. The Bengals also took Jamar Chase instead of Panay Sewell. That offensive line is going to be a mess. The 49ers spent over $100 million re-signing their left tackle this offseason. They also solidified the center of their line with Alex Mack. They are one of the top, I would say, top eight uh, offensive lines in football. What does that mean? That means Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance are going to have so much more time to throw the ball than Uh, Joe Burrow. And why does that matter? T. Higgins is a downfield weapon. Okay. They have Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd who can work underneath. They have T. Higgins as their get up and get it downfield threat. You cannot reliably have a get up and get it threat. Get the football if your quarterback is constantly running for his life. Okay. Brandon Ayuk will have 
either Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo throwing him the ball, and they will have plenty of time to throw him the ball. You know who else is scheming these players open? Kyle Shanahan versus whatever joker is in Cincinnati. I don't know if Zach Taylor calls the plays there. I can't remember. But I'm going to give that coaching to Shanahan. So we've got better offensive line. We've got fewer weapons around him. We've got um, a quarterback who trusts what's going on. I mean, that's what's the good thing about Jimmy Garoppolo. That man has not never had a thought in his head, so he cannot get into his own head. Joe Burrow thinks too much, and that's the problem. So uh, last year, T. Higgins finished with uh, about 930 yards um, on 108 targets, and last year you had... 96 targets for Aok and about, uh, what's this, mm, about 850 yards. So they're about similar last year. So this is actually a very close call. So I'm going to go with the team that I believe is going to have the more high-powered offense, the team that traded up to get their quarterback of the future and will be turning the ball over to the quarterback of the future at some point this season. And that's the 49ers and Trey Lance with the Kyle Shanahan system. Absolutely paving the way for Brandon Ayuk to continue these 100-yard games this year. See, I think these guys are actually very similar, um, but I think some of your arguments are actually a little counterintuitive here. Um, San Francisco 49ers have a better offense. I will give you that. But I think what you're uh, not taking into account is the, the run – the breakdown of running to passing. Let's see. I'm pulling a stat in the fly, so if I'm wrong, this is going to completely torpedo my arguments. But it's a question of passing attempts. Uh, here, here, Waleed, I will answer this question for you. The Bengals and the 49ers both had 371 completions last year. The Bengals did it on eight actually, more. Actually, one of them had 372 completions. Well, okay. Who had 372? Um, actually, I believe that would be the Bengals. Okay. One more completion. But I was right. actually more You're interested. Fine. I'm going to let the whole thing go. And the, the 49ers threw the ball eight fewer times than the Bengals, according to these stats I have in front of me. They're essentially the same. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll give you that. But I think the difference uh, being, I think that last year they were probably throwing the ball a lot more than they were in years past because of the defense. Like Shanahan's offense is based on their running game. And yeah, I, I going to have those opportunities, but the Bengals are going to be playing from behind a lot because their defense is a tire fire. And I think of the quarterbacks listed, Joe Burrow is the best of the three. Trey Lance is an unproven commodity. Jimmy Garoppolo is Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Burrow's coming off a knee injury. Yeah, of course he's saying he's hesitant. It takes a little bit of time. He might have a little rust the first couple of weeks, but eventually having Jamar Chase is only going to open up T. Higgins. Uh, and let's see, last year T. Higgins, I think, was averaging one extra yard per pass attempt uh, or per reception. What was that? I had that stat here a second ago. Let me pull this up here. 13.6 yards per reception for uh, Mr. T. Higgins, 12.5 yards per reception for Ayuk. Like 62.5% catch rate, 62%. Yeah, they're about similar in numbers. 8.4 yards per target for uh, Higgins, 7.8. His depth of target, T. Higgins is a bigger downfield threat, and he's going to need to be because the Bengals are bad. Mm-hmm. I like I, I just like T. Higgins, especially for that second-year leap. I think 
George Kittle coming back is also going to take targets away from Ayuk. Yeah, Jamar Chase is, but Jamar Chase, for all accounts, is struggling. George Kittle, top three tight end in football. Top two. I'll give you that, but I was given Waller. Honestly, I would probably put him top two. I don't like Waller as much as some other people do, but I do like Waller. I, I like Kittle a little bit more. But that only, uh, I think that offense runs through the running game. I don't think that's the case for the Bengals. Okay. I got nothing to add here. Yeah. To be fair. I love Brandon Ayuk, but I love T. Higgins. Oh, my God. He admitted it. I do like Ayuk. I like T. Higgins, though, You're a on lot it. more. You're because on I think Joe Burrow is the better quarterback. And that plus just garbage time stats are going to be the friend of T. Higgins. Your Honor, please. Please do not allow this to go on. The man admitted. Don't, don't, don't allow, friend. like... He, the man admitted that, he likes Brandon Ayuk more than uh, T. I Higgins. I did not say that. I said I like I Brandon Ayuk. I like T. Higgins more is what I said. Your Honor, I move for a default judgment as the defendant's attorney admitted fault. This isn't, that this isn't is we're, we're not actually a court nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I rule that because he's trying to pull these BS arguments to make his case because he knows Higgins is the better player. Erroneous. He he's uh, reaching. He's reaching. Right. Honestly, I I man, I I just don't think T Higgins is the better player. It's it's pretty clear on the field that Brandon Ayuk is the better player, and uh, I I think I gotta I I, I gotta give this one to Jeff. Yeah, that's three two, baby. I also think Ayuk is a better player now that it's already been ruled on. <laughs> I did not say that, but I did believe it. Okay. I do, but I do actually think T. Higgins is going to have a lot more garbage time yards just because he plays for the Bengals. I mean, it's it's possible, yeah. No, I, lo- I love Brandon Ayuk this year. Yep. Um, All right. I know, I know that Jeff probably still ranks T. Higgins ahead of Brandon Ayuk because for some reason he thinks T. Higgins is really good. T. Higgins is really good. No, he's not. He is really good. I wanted the 49ers to take T. Higgins, so it's just take lock. Yeah. Well, Ayuk is clearly the much better player. I honestly, I think they're both – they're guys – I like loading up on running backs and just grabbing both of them because I feel like I'm going to destroy leagues that way. Okay. All right, we have a draft in nine minutes, so we should probably get going. Oh, geez, okay. okay. I didn't realize you guys had to go. No, it's okay. It's, we got two more guys to go, so we can do this. And we, right. it's it's salary cap, so, you know, uh, we can just... Do I have a draft? Up. I don't think I have I, a draft. I do. Oh, okay. I have the Football Absurdity Discord draft. Oh, yeah, I didn't uh, join that one. I don't think uh, I joined that one either. Neither did Waleed. Okay, so I have a draft in nine minutes. Okay, that's fine. Is that on Yahoo? No, it's on Sleeper. I can do two things at once. Oh, uh, maybe I, I did join that one. Let no, me you see. didn't. You okay, didn't. I'm, I'm in the draft room right now. I can do okay. two things at once. Okay. All right. Uh, We're going number number six. Uh, Jeff is one win away from the overall victory. It is Kenny Galladay, wide receiver 29, and Jerry Judy, wide receiver 30. Waleed, you are up with Galladay. Oh, thank God. Uh, 
Kenny Galladay, you know, God, both these quarterback situations are trash. <laughs> no question about it. But Kenny Galladay's just, I, I just like him more because I trust him more. He's a really good wide receiver. Um, God, honestly, truth be told, I don't want to argue for either of these guys. <laughs> Are you against Jerry Judy, then? The argument for Jerry Judy is pretty easy, I think. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, uh, there's a lot of people who are taking targets away. Who does Kenny Galladay have to worry about? No one. That entire wide receiver core. Daniel is, Jones. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Drew Locke. Teddy Bridgewater, like Teddy, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater's fine, but he's Teddy two gloves had three top thirty wide receivers last year. Yeah, but he's he's just yeah. gonna be dumping it off, and I don't think I don't think Teddy Bridgewater's uh, quarterback style plays to Jerry Judy's strengths. That's I think that's one of the big things. Kenny Galladay is the clear number one on that team. There's no like who's I can't even remember the name of the. Rookie wide receiver that they drafted who can't stay healthy. Kadarius Tony. Well, yeah, Kadarius Tony. Please, he is he even healthy? No, I don't think he is. Is he good? I know he's not. I Kenny Galladay is going to get a lot of targets because he's a jump ball guy, which is exactly what Daniel Jones needs because he can't throw the football well. Giants are going to be playing from behind. They're going to have a much nicer schedule because the NFC East is trash whereas jerry judy's got to face the charger secondary which is pretty damn good uh chiefs which are just gonna be blowing them out so it's gonna be it's gonna be awful and uh i guess the raiders kind of suck so he's got that going for him but give me the nfc east matchups every day of the week now kenny galladay's the guy by a country mile okay so a couple things one kenny galladay already hurt so let's start there. Let's just go ahead. Let's set that aside. I'm going to read a quote here. Um, I believe the offense could be slow because we've been dealing with so many injuries and the guys have not had a chance to practice yet. That is Kenny Galladay talking about Kenny Galladay's fantasy football prospects to start the season. Daniel Jones is the worst quarterback in the NFL. You keep bringing up Teddy Two Gloves and Drew Locke. Drew, I, I don't care who the backup quarterback is. Do you want me to start talking about Mike Glennon for uh, for Kenny Galladay? I don't care about Drew Locke. Teddy Two Gloves had three top 30 wide receivers last year. So this whole like, oh, it's Teddy Bridgewater. He can't carry a team. Yes, he can. He can carry fantasy football relevant guys. He's not fantasy football relevant guys, but he can carry fantasy football relevant wide receivers. Let's look at Jerry Judy's targets last year jerry judy had a 62.8 percent catchable target rate now i'm gonna stop here i'm gonna do a little math for you guys there's 32 teams in the nfl most teams run three wide these days so you're looking at starters there are 96 starter level wide receivers in the league okay his catchable target rate ranked 106th his target quality rating was 180th that's why he had the 107th catch rate last year. When he caught the foot, he had the second most unrealized air yards, the seventh most targets. I'm sorry, the seventh most deep targets. He has so much ability, Jerry Judy does. He's the best route runner in the draft last year. He's an eminent talent. He's good at football. He had a bad quarterback last year. He has a better quarterback this year. 
And this whole thing about like, um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw deep. And I understand that that's like a trope for Teddy Bridgewater, but he throws deep more than people believe. Like I'm stalling here because I'm pulling up his player profile page. But while I think about it, I'm just going to say I really like the nickname Teddy Two Gloves. Um, as I pull up average depth of target. Oh, no, I can't find it. Um, yards per attempt. Here we go. Yards per attempt, 13th in the league last year. Um, he had... Um, I lost it. Ah, shoot. Your Honor, give me one second. I, I argue his entire case be dismissed because he lost it. He's admitted he's lost the argument. He is I've lost my mind. Here we go. 55 deep ball attempts last year. Four per game. 3.7 per game. He had four per game last year, which ranked him as 17th in the NFL. So he's in the middle in this deep ball attempt thing. He throws the ball deep. You know what? I would rather get four deep ball attempts from Teddy Bridgewater for my wide receiver than 40 deep ball attempts from Daniel Jones for what my wide receiver. What the accuracy on those? Can you pull that stat? Uh, really How good. many of those are catchable? Daniel really Jones accurate. is actually a decent deep ball passer. It's the only thing he does well. Well, and that's, everything and that's one of and that plays to Kenny Galladay's strengths. Everything I mean, up until he lets go of the football leads me to believe that he may be a good deep ball passer. I don't want him passing the ball deep because the man's an idiot with the football. There's a lot that goes between the snap and the release of the football. And, and I'd like to point out, you were talking about Kenny Galladay already sir, being hurt. He's going sir, to play week one. He's always a little bit hurt. That doesn't stop him from being really good did, at football. How did that work out for him last year? Well, he was really hurt last year, but he's been and hurt his entire career. To be fair, he also pretty much just sat out the last eight weeks because he wanted to get paid in the offseason and didn't want to get hurt worse on no, a bad gave, team. Really? Let me let me, let me me rephrase what Walker just said. He gave up on a bad team. Yes, he did. Are the Giants going to be a good team? No. Yeah, but he was playing for a contract. He's got his money now. He's, gonna, so, he's still going to play so football. So he's hurt, second. and he's going wait, to play. Wait, 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 wait. So the man who sat out half his season because he didn't want to play anymore while playing for a contract after he got said contract is going to gut through injuries. That doesn't make any sense. He's already said he's going to play week one. So yeah, he played week one last year. He wasn't hurt last year. Yeah, he was. He he had a nagging injury. I think going into week one, he's always played. He only like once the season was lost. Also to be fair to Kenny Galladay, uh, Matt Patricia would also make me not. Why would who's getting out getting it out for Matt? Is Patricia? Joe Judge going to be the man that's going to unlock Kenny Galladay? Yeah, that's Matt, not a great Matt, argument. Well, Matt, I, Matt you know, I said it and then I realized Joe Judge made three shit. guys retire. Joe Judge. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, no, right. oh god, I think I yeah, I might have hurt myself way worse than I meant to there. Um, uh, one last thing, Teddy Bridgewater, number eight in catchable pass rate. Daniel Jones, number 32 in catchable pass rate. Wait, hold I mean, on. That's, that's not surprising. Daniel Jones ranked negative ninth in pressured completion percentage. I don't even know what that means. That doesn't, I don't think that that's a correct statistic. I argue that he's obviously making up stats. His arguments should be thrown out. Hold on, I got to figure out this negative ninth thing. Uh, uh, well, well, Kenny Galladay, I love Kenny Galladay. I think he's a really good wide receiver. Uh, Jerry Judy, I don't, I haven't seen anything from him. He kind of let me down last year. 
Wait, are Andy we Galladay has shown he can be an NFL wide receiver. Jerry Judy has yet to prove that. That is what wow. I argue. Jerry Judy has not proven he can be fantasy relevant. Kenny Galladay Your, has. Your Honor, all I ask is that he be logically consistent. He did not. Oh, wait, no, he did argue this with Terry McLaurin and Allen Robinson. Sorry, I'm trying to figure yeah. out this negative negative 13 <laughs> yeah. pressure. That's kind of broke my brain, too. Yeah. It's, oh, just, you know just, what? Jeff, just pressure. stop looking at the Daniel Jones stats. No, yeah. pressure completion percentage. No one should look at Daniel Jones stats. That's just terrible. Okay, so I'm done. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. A, that's that's probably one of the first, like, and I'm high on Galladay, but that's one of the first um, arguments not from me that actually is pretty good in defense of Galladay. Um, I'm gonna give that one to the lead. Dog, doggy, doo doo, Walker. I have harsh words for you. So this is for the win. This next one. Yeah, yeah, this is for the win, and this is maybe the the toughest one. This is the one. hardest one, yeah. This is very much the hardest one, because I think there's a compelling argument for both of these guys. All right. These are both really good players at their position. So, let me look and see. I think we're even on the ones where the first person wins. One, two, three. Well, the first person might have won four of them. I'm not sure. Um... Who should get which person? I am going to give Walid, Mark Andrews, and Jeff TJ Hawkinson. These guys are tight end five, Andrews, and tight end six, Hawkinson. So Walid will start with Andrews. I mean, Mark Andrews has and this I will fully concede that this argument will work in favor of TJ Hawkinson too. Stop doing this. He doesn't have he does not have he's he's the clear cut number one wide receiver on his team because the wide receiver on his wide receivers on his team suck. Uh Rashad Bateman, IR. Uh Sammy Watkins, soon to be on IR. Mark Andrews, I think the only Mark Andrews should not be ranked as low as he is because the off the passing offense regressed a little bit last year for the for the uh, Baltimore Ravens, but he was also in 2019 tight end two. He has proven he can be a stud. And I, I mean, Mark Andrews is a really talented guy whose ADP is fallen off because last year he just, he wasn't as strong, but I think a down year, which was, it happens, but he was still, even on a down year, he was still the tight end four. Like, I think Mark Andrews has a much higher floor. Also, being in a competitive team is definitely going to be a mark in his favor. Like, the Lions do have a problem in that they're not playing for this year. They're playing for the future. So that's gonna they're going to have limited red zone opportunities, which is really where a lot of the bread and butter for tight ends comes from. Um, let me, I'm trying to think of uh, – I'm trying to look. He had 701 701- – last year in but in 2019 yeah Aiden. no okay yeah you i don't have a chance to do research beforehand he's just making noises at this point yeah i am just making noises at this point because i'm trying I have to pull stuff on your the clock. Honor, he is trying the mr i've done a lot of i've done a lot about 
TJ Hawkinson. I have not about Mark Andrews. So I'm having to come back. But I do really like Mark Andrews this year. Okay. Um, I don't know. Why don't you make your case while I look up some stuff? <laughs> right, All right. Please. So we have TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson, um, if you remember all of the, if you think about all the pomp and circumstance we have surrounding Kyle Pitts, we are not that far detached from all that pomp and circumstance surrounding TJ Hawkinson. We had people saying, oh, Matt Patricia got his Rob Gronkowski. We're saying, oh, this is going to be a match made in heaven. This is going to be great. Now, TJ Hawkinson has scuffled a little bit in his first couple of years. You know, not all of that is his fault. I will concede that he has had some troubles. I will also concede that he is the most talented player on the Detroit Lions, perhaps the entire team. He might be the best player, period. Now he's got a new quarterback, Jared Goff. Jared Goff is not the best quarterback in the world. Sorry, Walker, but you would concede that point as well. And what he does like to do is he does like to find his his guys. Now tell me who in this offense is going to be his guys. Is it going to be... Tyrell Williams? Is it going to be Quintus Cephas? Is it going to be Amon Ross St. Brown? I was going to say, the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't the first guy you meant listed is just an, it just means you're not taking it seriously. Waleed is not well versed in rhetorical, <laughs> uh, rhetorical uh, tricks. So I will, I will let oh, that. So you, so you admit you're using tricks. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Boom! Rhetorical, de- rhetorical devices. So, is it going to be those wide receivers? Is it going to be Jamal Williams? Or is it going to be TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift? Is it going to be those two guys? Yes. Are the Lions going to throw the ball a lot? Yes. Is one of those guys a downfield threat and one of the better downfield threats in the league? Yes. And it's TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson is a much better player than Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews has had a lot of opportunity and they're they're ranked very closely and they've been tied very closely with Mark Andrews getting a lot more touchdown opportunity. Mark Andrews on a per snap basis is one of the most targeted players in the NFL. He has nowhere to go. He is already extremely targeted when he's on the field. TJ Hawkinson is going to get 140 targets this year, 135 Mark Andrews is going to get 100. I mean, do you want the guy who uh, maybe Lamar Jackson will throw more touchdowns this year? Or maybe they'll go to Sammy Watkins if he's healthy. Or maybe Rashad Bateman when he's healthy. Or maybe a single damn wide receiver on the Ravens will be healthy. Or are they going to go with the Lions? Are they going to go with a pass first team or a run first team? And I say pass first. When I say that, I mean pass the tight end first. And when I say that, I mean pass to the tight end for touchdowns. You've got Dan Campbell, who is the tight end coach in New Orleans. The Saints were ninth in tight end. I'm sorry, the Saints were eighth in tight end touchdowns last year. Okay, They had nine tight end touchdowns. You've also got Anthony Lynn calling the plays. They were uh, 12th in tight end touchdowns with eight. The Chargers tight ends last year had over 900 yards from scrimmage. The Saints had 760. Let's say... That I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that TJ Hawkinson is better than Jared Cook. I'm going to go ahead and say that. You've got 
a major hole to climb out of because the Ravens will throw to the tight end, but they will also split it between Nick Boyle. I just don't see any upside for Mark Andrews. And TJ Hawkinson has all the upside in the world. What I also see is I see one of these tight ends going after Kyle Pitts, suppressing his value. So if I have to go into a draft and say, am I going to take Mark Andrews as the tight end four? And I hope this is correct, because otherwise I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. Mark Andrews is tight end five. TJ Hawkinson is tight end. Kyle Pitts is tight end four now. This is preposterous. Your Honor. I don't have anything to do with that. Your Honor, this is preposterous. I mean, Um, I agree. But for TJ Hawkinson to be tight end six, for me to get him in at the end of the sixth round in a mock draft that I did earlier this week with Herms and Malcolm at the lateral, I will take that value every single day of the week. Mark Andrews is going close to Kyle Pitts, okay? Sometimes it's Mark Andrews, sometimes it's Kyle Pitts. But TJ Hawkinson is almost always third out of those three. And I think that that's a bad decision. I think TJ Hawkinson has 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown upside. Mark Andrews does not have that upside, period. So because of that, I will take TJ Hawkinson here. Okay, thank you, because I was able to pull up some stats here. One thing you were saying is... filibustering for you. I appreciate that. Um, one thing I think that you said is erroneous is uh, that Mark Andrews targets have nowhere to go but down. Um, the fact is, in 2019, he had under 100 targets. In 2020, he had under 100 targets. He had 89 targets in 2020, 98 in 2019. Um, and here's, I think the biggest thing is, Yards, and he's never been a guy who gets a lot of yards, like which which Hawkinson has. But I think product of the offense is that's not where tight ends make their money. Tight ends make their money in the red zone. And the fact of the matter is Mark Andrews is going to have a lot more red zone opportunities than TJ Hawkinson can hope for because of the virtue of the offense that they're playing for. The other thing that I think uh, should be pointed out is last year. Hold on. I had to stat over here. They actually... Uh, their red zone targets were almost identical, actually. The difference was in catch percentage. Hawkinson only caught 53% of his uh, red zone targets inside the 20-yard line. As opposed to the red zone targets outside of the 20-yard line? Sorry, a lot. Within the 20 yards, uh, within 20 yards, Mark Andrews had 62.5% catch rate to TJ Hawkinson, 53.3% percent uh and that's on and Hawkinson also had one less target basically those numbers are identical except for the catch rate which is way better for Andrews um within the let's see the target percentage in the red zone though is significantly higher for him inside of 20 Mark Andrews got 28.6 percent of targets in the red zone compared to TJ Hawkinson's 21 percent he's going to get more looks when he's in the red zone, he's going to be in the red zone more because he's on the Ravens as opposed to the Lions. And let's see, inside the 10%, inside the 10, their catch rates are actually identical, like literally 55.56. So there's no point in bringing that one up. Um, Really, he's got a better catch rate within the 20. He's going to have more opportunities within the 20. And Andrews, Andrews is clearly the guy because for tight ends, touchdowns is king. 
Okay. I would like to bring up really quick, you said, I don't know how his, how his targets have maxed out. Yes, he has not had 100 targets. No, he is not in an offense that will allow for Mark Andrews to have so many targets. He had the third highest target share among tight ends last year, which means when he was on the field, one out of every four snaps he was on the field, he was getting a target. Okay? Those are George So what you're saying is that you want to draft a tight end who's going to get those targets. It seems to me like a case for Mark Andrews. Well, your whole case was that Mark Andrews has nowhere to go but up in his target share. That's fair. That was my case, but now that I yes. now that I heard you make a better case for Mark Andrews, I kind of want to roll with that. I appreciate that's you helping me out there. Out? Okay, so <laughs> I don't know that he's maxed out. I think that he's going to get target share and opportunity. He's had target share. Or yeah, but you're saying he's going to get when he's on the field. You're telling me Lamar Jackson's going to look at him. Well, that offense is going to spend more time in the red zone, and you're going to look at Mark Andrews more, which means that he's got the better chance to get more touchdowns, which is what I want for my tight end. So, yeah, Mark Andrews, 100%. Your Honor, Thank you. the man says that Mark Andrews, he concedes that Mark Andrews is possibly maxed out. He concedes that point. Is that correct, Waleed? I don't you know that said, I do because like uh, this, I actually think like, so. okay, Waleed. Then I ask you. All their, all, Wait, no, the Waleed, reason I don't I think that's going to be the case is because Waleed, all of their wide receivers ask, are kind of hurt right now. Waleed, I ask you, where does he have to go from the third highest target share? Who's Lamar Jackson throwing to? Who is Mark Lamar? Andrews? Jackson, is Mark Andrews is and Lamar no one Jackson else. Throwing? Is Lamar Jackson throwing? Occasionally. <laughs> Occasionally. Probably I'm trying to, I'm trying to argue from a, from a genuine place, but at the same time, Mark Andrews is going to be the number one target on that offense, and he's gonna be the number one target on a better offense than the Lions, which is why I want I want the guy who's gonna get the number one receiving targets on the better offense every time, who's going to have more red zone opportunities, who gets a higher share of red zone looks compared to the other player, which is Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is the clear winner. Is he the clear winner? For this argument, yes. Okay. TJ Hawkinson has nowhere to go but up. TJ Hawkinson has nowhere to go up but up from last year. Okay. He had 1.3 fewer points than Mark Andrews did last year. I think that pretty much says it all. I rest my case. Oh, my God. Tampa Bay just went for $5 in the Discord auction. <laughs> I just looked up. Um, well, that was, our, that was our final debate. Uh, what if I just didn't name a winner and we just laughed? <laughs> <laughs> Walker's like, I'll get back to you guys. Uh. No, I, I'm I, going uphill because I feel like Walker's going to be biased towards Hawkinson. Well, I guess you'll never find out because I am picking Jeff and Hawkinson. But yeah, I I believe it's 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 due to the it's due to the upside. I I really uh. No. You don't have to explain it to me. I wanted Hawkinson. I know uh, Everything that. Jeff was going to say, I was going to say, I like Hawkinson way more than I like Mark Andrews this year because I 100% agree with Jeff. His targets are his targets are limited. Uh, I, I was glad that I was able to pull something because I don't dislike Mark Andrews, but I do think that his upside is limited compared to Hawkinson. Also, like I did the... Uh, 
I did the absurdity check last year. When I was watching tape on Hawkinson, like he was a top three tight end last year while being horribly misused, which was really oh, frustrating yeah. to watch. So yeah, yeah, they had no idea how to use him yeah. at all. No, yeah, he was awful last year. Think, he was used I think, awfully. I mean, I think Lynn yeah. will do. Uh, Lynn's a pretty good offensive coordinator. He's a terrible head coach, but he's a pretty good offensive coordinator. So and he's good at utilizing tight ends. So yeah, he did a really I good really, job with Hunter Henry, and yeah. Hawkinson's just a better version of Henry. Oh, yeah, yeah and no, 100% the head, guys, his head coach was the tight ends coach in New Orleans. Yeah, that's true. No. No, no Hawk, I don't. Hawkins. I really don't like. That was one where it's like I don't even mind losing this one because I I believe that much in Hawkinson. I I think he's going to finish top two, and I like his chances. I think I think he has a realistic chance of ending as a tight end one. I don't think it's in the realm of the range of outcomes for Andrews. Uh, Hawkinson, more like uh, Rockinson, because he was hard when I draft him. Great. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. I will take the loss. Even Good. though I should have won, the, I should have won overall because I was right about Allen Robinson. Yeah, and I forgot to mention this episode is sponsored by Greatest Vine and YouTube Dab Compilation 2016, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is what I shared when I won this bad boy. So uh, yes, Walker, that was wonderful. Thank you, and I really like the not being able to argue, not being able to know who I was arguing for until I, I think got there. That's fantastic, but God, I'm at such a disadvantage. <laughs> That's right, because I do this like 60 hours a week. So, yeah. and yeah, so, um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, this was a good episode. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, This Walkers. was a great episode. I enjoyed this a lot. So yeah. let, me, let me hit like you guys. It. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll keep this one in the mind palace for later on in the season, I think, too. Yes. I think that'll be fun. So uh, let me get some more plugs going, then we'll get out of here. Website, footballobscurity.com. We'll have everything you need this season. And when I say everything, I mean everything. We even have a calculator to figure out how much fab you can you should spend on literally any player in the league sitting there at the top of the website. We've got uh, start sits. We've got waiver wire. We got who to drop. We got comedy. We've got sleepers every week. We've got team names. Everything you can need at footballobsurdity.com. You can also go to twitch.tv slash footballobsurdity. Whatever is not on the website is going to be on the Twitch. And even some of that's going to be on the Twitch. We'll be here two times a week for the podcast, uh, tw- uh, wherever you get podcasts. If you want both episodes, $3 a month on Patreon, patreon.com slash football absurdity. So thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast. Episode. I would also point out, because I feel Thank like you. that wasn't What's mentioned, that was the Discord. If you're looking for something and you need Ooh. an answer right away, our Discord is got the most knowledgeable fantasy football fan base out there. It's true. It's true. They know what they're talking about. Especially the guys who like Miles Gaskin. Some some guy a few weeks ago said DeAndre Swift was bad, and he immediately got yelled at by 20 people, which is exactly the correct correct response. It was like a random Wednesday morning, and yeah, it was like a dozen people were just like, no! We just started screaming at him. So, all right. What are are you talking about? For Walker three. Three dollars a month, two podcast episodes a week, one perfect fantasy football website. Walker said, Count it. Thanks for listening.